the singing. I'm not going to sing to you. So, Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? We'll sing some of these tremendous old hymns, 324, and remaining seated while we sing, please. <clears throat> Three hundred and three, thank you. Three hundred and three. I find a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Lovely hymn describing Christ as the lily of the valley. What a lovely title of the Saviour, the bright and the morning star. <clears throat>
103, have you read the story of the cross where Jesus bled and died? And your debt was paid by the precious blood that flowed from his wounded side. What a tremendous chorus. He died an atoning death for thee. Think about the words of this lovely hymn as we sing it together, please. Verses of the hymn 151, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. And then just think of these words. And time shall be no more. There's a day coming when time will be no more. And it'll enter us into eternity. That never ending now. Just think about that. And let's think in the words of this lovely hymn. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. And when the roll is called up yonder. Will you be there? <clears throat> Thank you. 
Amen. Our opening hymn tonight is a hymn number 332. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. We'll sing this hymn together, thinking about the words standing while we sing for our opening praise. You're singing well, let's sing even better. We always say sing to lift the roof off, but I think it would be a lot colder with the roof off, so we'll just keep the roof on. But if you can sing your very best, then we'll sing to the glory of God. Amen.
and sing her very best. Tonight our hearts together in prayer and still ourselves in God's presence. And each night we've asked either someone of our elders or someone of our committee men to open in prayer. And we're going to ask Brother Andrew Park if he'll come and lead us to the throne of grace in prayer. Let's all unite our hearts together in prayer, please. Andrew. Heavenly Father, we thank that we can come into your presence. We thank you for another night in the town hall, and we thank you for the crowd that have gathered. Lord, we pray tonight as the gospel goes forth that those that are here that are unsaved will hear it. Those that are backslidden will hear it and return unto thee. Lord, we pray for uh, Reverend McCray as he would come and sing, and for Reverend Park as he would preach your word. Give them the help that they need, and Lord, we pray that it would be a very special, your presence will be spe- uh, felt very specially in this meeting tonight. Lord, we just pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. We're delighted tonight to have with us Reverend McCray. He's been in this hall many times in the past. We'll not go back as many years as he was first here, but it's a number of years. And brother, you're very welcome. We're going to ask you to come and minister to us in song, please. Lord bless you. Acres of diamonds, mountains of gold, all the rivers of silver, and jewels of gold, all these together, and by you are. 
Walk with him 
That's the real question that you need to settle tonight. Where will you be in eternity? That the Lord will bless those messages and song to all our hearts. Name to the Thursday night of the Gospel Mission. I just have to think there a minute or two. And how the time goes past so quickly. And we'll soon be at the end of the first week. And we trust and pray that you'll continue to remain in prayer. We appreciate your attendance. We thank you for coming. We also welcome those on Sermon Audio on Facebook and YouTube. And where you're here in the auditorium, in the town hall, or on some of those technological platforms, wherever you are, we trust and pray that the Lord will bless you. And above all, that you will know where you will be in eternity. Do remember the meeting tomorrow night uh, at 8pm, preceded by the time of Half past seven down in the MacArthur Singers tonight will be the Brook Quartet. So you come and join us on Friday night of the first week and be with us in the service. We're going to sing together the hymn 304. We are never, never weary of the grand old song, Glory to God. We sing this hymn, Brother McRae will come and minister and song again and then the Reverend Park will come and preach God's word. Do remember the Reverend Park. Continue to pray for him every day. That the Lord will help him as he has done each night. As he ministers God's word. <clears throat> let's all stand. Let's sing our very best.
that final verse again there will show in the glad new song. And you sing your very best because you're going to be video. So get, get everything in place. And they can only see the back of my head and my big ears, so you'll be fine.
So very conscious when meetings like this are held, missions are conducted, that there are those who come and they go and they don't get saved. God speaks and speaks through his word, and yet they say not tonight. Thank you, Mr. McRae, for coming. I know today's been busy and you've just uh, come off a flight from London, and you'll come here to sing. We appreciate that. Trust the Lord will bless those messages and song. We've been thinking about times past in, in this very building. Many, many missions have been conducted here. And we've been rejoicing in the 1948 mission when Nicholson came. And there are folks here tonight. And they were saved at that mission. And that's a long time ago, 74 years ago. And the Lord has kept them because he saves and he keeps by his mighty power. I grew up in Portadown, as many as you know, and I grew up under a diet of gospel preaching. I know Mr. McRae and the Reverend Elliot were very good friends, and every year missions were conducted in the town and around, not only in the church, but many a hall, a tent was put up, and the gospel went forth, and many, many souls came to know Christ the Saviour. We have sought to keep up that tradition here in Balamone. And every year, by the grace of God, except for those two years of COVID, we have had our gospel meetings. And we're glad to be in the town hall. And we're glad to be here tonight. Will you open the Bible to the same passage as last evening? (coughs) Matthew chapter 27. As we have these missions, I, I want to say that I am humbled that the, the elders of the church asked their minister to, to be the evangelist. It is a humbling thing. We, we took a decision many, many years ago that we would have a mission every year. And the original plan was we would have a mission in the church. Then we would go somewhere on an outreach into a hall, into a tent or whatever. And uh, we kept, we've kept that up more or less And the idea was when we had a mission in the church, we would ask uh, a visiting preacher to come. And then when we went out to an outlying area, they would ask me. But you know, the past number of years for quite a few, we've always gone out. We haven't had a mission in the church for quite a while. And every time I say to our elders, listen, if you want to get somebody else, do. But they've been very happy to put up with me. And uh, I am humbled. And I'm also humbled that my congregation comes and supports these missions so well. Can I thank you from the depths of my heart for doing that? We're here to preach Christ. We are here to present him as he's freely offered in the gospel. We make no apology that we desire to see you saved. You're not a Christian tonight. Want these meetings to be saving times when God comes and rescues souls from sin and from a lost eternity. If you're not a Christian, these meetings are designed particularly for you. And you see the Christians that are here tonight, we're praying for you. And we have our wee times of prayer at 7.30. And in that prayer meeting room, there's a volume of prayer that's going up together with those that are not able to get to the meetings. Maybe some are confined at home. And they're praying that sinners will be converted to Christ. That's our longing of heart. Whenever I felt that God had called me to preach the word many, many years ago, and I was Burned in my heart to go into the Lord's work. I can remember sitting in our Portadown church one Sunday night. And this man here was actually the preacher. And at the end of the meeting, 
there was an appeal made for folks to get saved. And nobody at the start responded. And I can remember doing something that I felt probably at the time was very daring. And I said, Lord, I want you to put a seal on me going into the work of God by saving souls tonight. I had no sooner prayed that prayer than there were two that came forward and sought the Lord. Now let's read the scriptures tonight. We're going to read a few verses from verse 11. The same passage as last evening. And although it says verse 23, we'll, we'll stop at verse 19, which will be our text tonight. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate, then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And verse 19 is our text tonight. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? But I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. May the Lord be pleased to take his word and write it upon every heart. Let's bow together for a moment's prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your seal upon this mission thus far, your presence night by night, for bringing the people in to hear your word. Thank you for the unconverted that have been faithfully coming to these meetings. And Lord, you know it's our deep longing of heart that the Lord will bring them unto himself, that they will be saved. Help me to preach your word. Recognize freely tonight that we are but a weak human instrument, but we're in the hand of God. And we pray for that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And fall afresh upon this congregation. But remember when Peter preached the gospel. On that occasion to the Gentiles. The scripture tells us how the spirit of God fell upon the people. And that's what we desire tonight. We want a Holy Ghost meeting. So come Lord and work mightily and powerfully in every heart. And we shall give thee the honor, the praise and the glory for Jesus' sake. Amen. As you know, we're looking at one day during this mission, and that is the day centering around the time when Jesus Christ went to the cross. And we're looking at those characters that we meet with and seeking to learn something by the grace of God each night. And we want to think about Pilate's wife this evening. This woman that was evidently, as we see in this text of Scripture, troubled by the Lord. Jesus, the prisoner, stands before Pilate, the Roman governor, and many false charges are brought against him. Accusation after accusation is laid at his feet. And to the surprise and the marveling of Pilate, 
Christ stands in silence before his accusers. He answered nothing. As the prophet said, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. As before the high priest, Jesus held his peace. His hour had now come. That time that Jesus Christ must die for our sins. And he was submissive to his father's will. Therefore he silently committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Pilate pressed him to make some kind of reply. Look there at verse 13. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Yes, he did hear. As he still hears today those that witness against him, those that are against him and Christianity. But he kept his silence. And Pilate marvels at this. He knew that Jesus Christ was innocent. That Christ had not committed any crime worthy of standing before him in this time of judgment. And so he wondered and he thought it a strange thing that Jesus had not one word to say for himself. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't stand up and and speak out against these accusations that were brought against him. A proposal is brought forth by Pilate to release a prisoner. We were thinking about Barabbas last night and we have that proposal from verse 16 through to verse 18. This notable prisoner called Barabbas. And when they were gathered together, we're told that Pilate says to them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. It was at this very point, when seated upon his judgment seat, that Pilate received a message from his wife. Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Now we are not told very much about Pilate's wife. In fact, it's only Matthew that gives us this little bit of information. There are over 31,000 verses of scripture in the Bible. And there's only one verse in all those thousands of verses that tell us about this woman. And I want the experience of Pilate's wife to speak to your heart. And I want to try and enter into her shoes, or all of us to enter into her shoes, and try to sense and feel something of this woman's troubled heart. And then listen to what she has to say. What she has to say about Christ and really what the message was to her husband in the advice that she gives. I want you to notice first of all the anxiety of this woman. Because she speaks here about her troubled heart in her text. Have I nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Pilate's wife is troubled by God through a dream. Perhaps it was the previous night or early that morning. She had a dream. A dream about Christ. She probably knew very little about the Savior at this time. But God revealed himself to her in a dream. And had something to teach her. She suffered many things in this dream. Now what did she dream? We're not told it would only be speculation. But perhaps she saw the miscarriage of justice to an innocent man. 
She knew, everyone knew really, that Jesus Christ was innocent. He was not guilty of these charges that were leveled against him. And she could sense the way things were going to go at this trial. Perhaps she had knowledge of the fearful judgments that would fall upon those that had any part in his death. Or perhaps it was revealed to her who Jesus was. That in this dream, God revealed to her that this man called Jesus was indeed God's eternal son. The son in whom the father was well pleased. Indeed the saviour of men that had come into the world. Whatever it was, it was a frightful dream. It troubled her greatly. How often God has instructed in the still hours of the night seasons. Hear what the patriarch Job has to say in Job chapter 33 and verse 14 through 16. For God speaketh once yet twice yet man perceiveth it not in a dream, in in a vision of the night when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumberings upon the bed. Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. We think of what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And how that it was in the still hours of the night through a dream that God greatly troubled him. We read about that in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 for example in verse 2. In chapter 1 and sorry chapter 2 and verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. And again something similar in chapter 4 and verse 5. I saw a dream which made me afraid and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. And as Nebuchadnezzar went to bed, he was disturbed. He was disturbed by this dream that he had seen and God was troubling his heart. How many a man has been troubled by God in the still hours of the night season? Perhaps they've just come from a gospel meeting or a gospel mission like this. And as they've sat in that meeting, God has spoken to them, but they said not tonight. They did nothing about their soul salvation. They go home, they're still troubled, and they lie down at night, but they can't sleep. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, sleep fled from him, and sleep has fled from that individual. And they begin to think seriously about their soul, and where they'll be in the great eternity of God. And they're troubled, and they can't sleep. Or maybe they've been involved in an accident. And they're brought into hospital. And now they are brought to think about their own mortality. I almost died. Where would I have been if God had have taken me? If I had have died in my sin, surely I would have been lost forevermore. And even there in the hospital ward, when things have settled down at night, men and women have thought seriously about their soul. Or perhaps a dear friend or family member has been cut down suddenly. And they're brought face to face with death and sorrow in the home. And when they go to bed, they can't sleep. And they begin to think again seriously about those matters that pertain to eternity. All that men would be troubled. That's the problem today. There are those and they're not troubled. Very often, men travel through life without a thought about their soul. And they're running on merrily through life. Towards death. Towards the grave. Towards eternity. Towards hell itself. Without a care in their heart. I often fear for those who are never troubled about the things of God. Many people come 
to have a gospel mission like this. In fact, there are many people who don't come. And we're thankful for you that are here tonight. But when we think of the thousands of people that live in Balamone, and they will not be out unless God moves miraculously and marvelously in this mission, they will not be at the mission. And so they're not even in a place where they're going to be challenged about their soul. And thus they never think about their destiny. And then there's others and they do come and yet it seems that they can sit through a meeting and they're unconcerned. And the word of God goes in one ear and out through the other and they leave as if they have never heard anything. I fear for individuals like that that are never troubled in their soul about the things of Almighty God. It's an evidence of the hardness of their heart. It's an evidence also the Holy Spirit is not speaking. It's not striving with them. I think of those that were once troubled and they're no longer troubled. God have mercy upon them. Oh, if God is speaking to your heart tonight, if you're anxious about your soul, if you sense and you feel the strivings of the Spirit and conviction of sin, and you've got a troubled heart tonight because all is not well with you spiritually, and you're heading to the blackness of darkness forever. Thank God for such feelings that you have. Because it is a token, it is an evidence that God is speaking to you and God is dealing with you. This woman was anxious. This woman was troubled about what God revealed to her in this dream. But not only do we see her anxiety, I want you to see the acknowledgement of this woman. Because she acknowledges something very important about Jesus Christ. Namely, that he was a just man. Have thou nothing to do with that just man? She gave an honourable testimony of Christ. Witnessing to the fact that he was a just man. He was being persecuted as one of the worst malefactors. All manner of evil was being said against him. Very few stood up for him. And yet here is a worldly, ungodly woman. And she declares that Jesus was a just man. Even when his friends were afraid to defend him. God made the stranger and the enemy to say something in his favor. When Peter denied him, Judas Iscariot confessed him. When the chief priests pronounced him guilty of death. Pilate pronounced that he found no fault in him. And here, when the women who loved him most stood afar off, Pilate's wife, who knew little about him, showed concern and called him just. Her testimony to him is simple and yet very powerful. She knew him to be innocent of the charges that were leveled against him. The Spirit of God had impressed this glorious fact upon her heart. And so God would make sure that his, as his son went to the cross to die for our sin, that his innocency and his purity was declared, and so declared in the mouth of at least two witnesses. On the very day of judgment, when the sentence was passed, when the false charges were, were blasted against Christ, God moved this married couple to speak a word about the innocency of Christ. We know that Pilate said over and over again, I find no fault in this man. 
I find no fault in this man. And here his wife is calling him just. Let's remember who it is with whom we have to do. He is the just Christ. And that word just denotes righteousness. It means a right conduct. And it means a state of being right. And when it's used of the Lord Jesus Christ, it it designates the perfect agreement between his nature and his acts. Jesus Christ is just in his nature, in his character. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And my dear friends, we need to understand that tonight. He went to the cross, not for his sins, but for our sins. He is the spotless, sinless, flawless, crimeless Son of God. Jesus Christ is just in his nature. But he's also just in his acts. He's fair and he's right in his judgment. Jesus himself said, my judgment is just. And that means it's absolutely right. One day you and I are going to be wed in the balances. And Jesus Christ, as the scripture reminds us, will sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. He will execute judgment upon all. There's coming a day when the books are going to be opened. The statute books of heaven. And he will judge, the Bible tells us, he will judge the world in righteousness. He will judge. He will pass sentence. He will acquit or condemn. He will save or destroy. And my friends, it will be right. It will be just. It will be honest. It will be true. We will not have one word to say against the verdict of Christ. And when he takes the sinner and he casts the sinner out forevermore and he says, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want to tell you that when Jesus says that, it's just, it's honest, it's true and it's right. How do you stand tonight before the just Christ? It's so important. And then I want you to see thirdly the advice of this woman and it's in this text that she sends it to her husband have thou nothing to do with that just man but I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him she is so scared by what was revealed to her in this dream that she must send her husband word of it and she sends this message of caution something like this dear husband Beware of condemning the righteous Christ. Don't you get involved in his trial. You be very careful what you do. She is deeply concerned for him. Possibly this message was delivered not in private but in public. So that not only her husband but everyone gathered at the judgment that day could be warned. And it is very good advice. It was a mercy that his wife intervened with such a mercy or such a a message on this occasion. And sinful men need to be checked in their sinful pursuits. These men are just about 
to send Jesus to his death. They're just about to commit a terrible crime. They're just about to condemn an innocent man and put God's son upon the cross of Calvary. And here is a woman. She steps into the scene with a solemn warning so that they might be prevented from committing this heinous crime. What an amazing intervention into Pilate's life. It is a mercy of God if we are warned about our waywardness and our sin, especially when it comes to do with our reaction to the Son of God. To have the Spirit of the Lord warn our consciences, to have a concerned relative or faithful friend to speak a word, to keep us from sin, to keep us from foolishness, to keep us from hell itself is a great favor. True love for our friends and our family is to do what we can to prevent them from sin and from going to hell. The best friendship that anyone can have is soul friendship. Someone who loves your soul and loves that soul enough that they go to you and they tell you about Jesus Christ. Pilate's wife sent him this warning out of love. She did not fear a rebuke from him for meddling with matters that did not belong to her. In fact, we are told that anyone, including his wife, who interrupted the legal proceedings that day could be immediately put into prison and sentenced to death. She did not fear that. She must warn her husband. It was so important for her to do that. And this is often how we feel as Christians, isn't it? We're so burdened for someone who is unconverted, so troubled in our heart for some wife, some husband, some mother, father, brother, sister, some person in the family. Maybe it's a dear friend in the right of Christ without a savior. And we're so troubled in our hearts that we must give them warning. We must go and tell them and be faithful to them. Sadly, Pilate's wife, as she gives this this message, this warning, she finds that Pilate himself disregarded the advice. We don't know how he did that. Perhaps he, he laughed it off, making a jest of it. Maybe he was angry that his wife would dare to interrupt the proceedings of the court that day. Maybe he just simply shrugged it off as something that didn't really matter. And often faithful warnings are made light off. They are ignored. They are disregarded. They are trampled upon. How sad that is. Because one day you will not make light of those warnings when they are remembered against you on the great judgment day. And be very sure that that will happen. You come to stand in your unconverted state before God on that day. And my friends, all your sins will be we brought to your attention And they will cry as they march past you, guilty, guilty, guilty. And God will remind you of every time someone came with a warning. Every time the gospel was presented to you. Every time you sat in a mission, in a gospel service. Every time a faithful friend came to seek to bring you to Christ. You will be reminded of every single opportunity that God in his mercy gave to you. Pilate is sitting upon his judgment seat. He's about to give a verdict. 
He's going to make a decision. Before him is the innocent saviour. The only redeemer. Indeed the eternal son of the living God. Sent into the world to be the saviour of men. He will either stand by his conscience. And set Jesus free. Or he will side with the crowd. That cry out away with him. Crucify him. What is he going to do? In order to help him make a decision, a word of warning, an exhortation is sent from his wife. She earnestly appeals to him not to get entangled with this trial. He further poses the vital question, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And at length he makes his decision. He makes it finally and irrevocably. And that decision is in verse 24 through to verse 26. Let's just read those verses. When Pilate saw that he could reveal nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Tonight you're going to give a verdict. You're going to make a decision. Before you this evening is Christ, the Redeemer, the sinless, spotless Son of God. The one who died upon the cross for our sin. Who will you side with? Let me appeal to you tonight. In order to persuade you. I would want to be there on the side of Pilate's wife. Sending a message. Sending a word to you. A word of warning. If needs be. What shall you do with Jesus? What decision are you going to make? Pilate's wife. Send a message. But it failed to turn Pilate from his evil course. And he died. And by all evidence he went to a condemned sinner's grave and a lost sinner's hell. How about you tonight? God's word and warning has been delivered. Opportunity is given for you to turn this very night and get right with God. What are you going to do? Once again, the gospel message From the Saviour you have heard. Will you heed the invitation? Will you turn and seek the Lord? Jesus for your choice is waiting. Tarry not. At once decide. While the Spirit now is striving. Yield and seek (coughs) the Saviour's side. Come believing. Come believing. Come to Jesus. Look and live. The nail-pierced hand. Of Jesus Christ has stretched out to you tonight. That you might come to him for salvation. What are you going to do? I pray God tonight that you will come. And seek the Lord. And call upon his name. And find grace in his sight. Forgiveness of sin. And pardon and peace with God. Forevermore. Let's be warned tonight. From this one verse of scripture. That tells us about a woman that sent a message to her husband to turn him from his evil way and it failed. 
Will this message fail to turn you tonight? Or will it be the means of bringing to Christ? I trust the latter. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for the hymns that we have sung together, for the ministry and song, for the reading of your word. This woman that the scripture introduces us to, and for a good reason, you've given your word, every single word for a reason. Not one verse is given in vain. And we are to learn, we are to learn from this little incident. And, oh God, the warning is given in missions and sinners get to hear about their need. And we're glad that there's anxiety and there's trouble and the Lord is moving. And there is that sense of feeling in the heart where men are troubled about their sin, women too, young people likewise. But, Lord, we pray that it'll be followed up, that there'll be true conviction of heart and there'll be true conversion to Christ. And the sinners will yield and seek the Lord and call upon him. O thou who art the troubler of souls. Trouble men now. Don't let them leave. Lord without sensing in their heart that God is dealing with them. And giving them the opportunity to get right with him. And to be reconciled to him. And to be saved for time and for eternity. Hear this our prayer for Jesus sake. Amen. We have a closing hymn tonight. It's the hymn 242. This hymn speaks about people being troubled. Sinner, how thy heart is troubled. God is coming very near. Do not hide thy deep emotion. Do not check that falling tear. We're going to sing the first three verses of this hymn. I want you to think about the words. You're concerned tonight. I'm glad about that. I'm glad that God is troubling you. The Spirit is working with you. And if we can help you, that's what we're here for. There's preachers here tonight. There's elders here tonight. This preacher also. We just love to take the Word of God and open it up and show you how you can be saved. You wait behind and give us the opportunity to do just that. There's not a preacher you need as Christ. And just where you're sitting, you can call upon the name of the Lord. And he will save you. May you do that for Jesus' sake. Amen.
Art thou waiting till tomorrow? Thou mayst never see its light. That's not something that we sing idly. That's something that's a reality. It's true. He was only 16 years of age. His name was David Greenaway. He was a good friend. We grew up together in Portadown. Going to a meeting one night on his, on his motorbike. And as he turned down to go into the Vacary Drive where the church was, he met with an accident and he was killed at the scene. Just 16. I know Mr. McRae was at that funeral and sang at that funeral. And uh, I often wonder about others, 16, 17, in their 20s, 30s. You could be cut down in a moment's time. David Greenaway was ready. He was soundly converted and saved. And he went to glory. What about you? If you were to meet with some accident, and we think of that freak accident that took place in Donegal, ten people ushered out into eternity. Where will you be when death comes? Heavenly Father, dismiss us in your fear and with your love. Continue to challenge souls. And for those that are troubled in their heart, bring them to Christ. Don't let them leave the meeting without the Savior. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.